Hey now, welcome to the Dirty Side of the Track. It's America's leading Formula One podcast. I'm Brian, that's Rob. Today was the French GP, and it was interesting. Rob, uh, tell everyone what to expect on today's episode. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the norm here, Brian. Um, We normally talk about this when we get to the race review. Do you think there's any way we can just walk out into the empty field and do a primal scream about how angry we are about Ferrari right now and just get all of that out of the way now and then just review the race away uh, from Ferrari anger? Or do you think we can't get away from it even if we talk about it now? Can't, can't get away from it. I actually was going to, as we love to do sounds on here, I was going to have the Charles no, that no, you know that, but I can't. I can't. I can't do that to the man who is just... Like, I, my least favorite driver on the grid is Lance Stroll. And if Lance Stroll had a similar thing happen and he screamed like that just out of pure frustration, I still wouldn't do that to Lance Stroll. So I can't do it to a guy like, oh, but, oh I would love to just do that. But I think, unfortunately, it's got to be peppered throughout the entire race. Because I, I mean, I was, I don't know, I was angrier than a swarm of wasps that had just graduated from angry university <laughs> with a diploma in angry studies because I was just like, how can Ferrari do this again? But okay, fine. And even if you're not a Ferrari fan, and I'm not a particularly huge Ferrari fan, I do have a Ferrari hat and I do like Charles, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not a, a, a card-carrying member of the Tifosi. Um it annoys the crap out of me. And I almost used a bad word there. And I used the first ever bad word from this well, year podcast on Twitter today because I'd had enough. And I apologize to anybody <laughs> whom that might have offended. That was me. I am the Twittern. And uh, I just, I couldn't, I didn't know what else to do. I like had already destroyed half of the room I was watching the event in. And I'm like, mm. okay, okay. So we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're yeah. two minutes in and we're not going to have nope. a, a Ferrari rant and then yep. like cleanse ourselves. Nope. We're going to just have to just deal, roll with yep. the punches as we get mm. into the race review. Okay. Kay. So Good. we will do news and social. Pretty busy week actually this week. Yeah, then yeah. we will talk about the uh, Sacre Bleu, the French GP. Oh. Ugh, at least we're not going there next year. And uh, then we will well, have... It doesn't a, look like it. But, it doesn't yeah. look like it. Then we will have our guest Ben on DRS, and we will end up with a hungry preview because we are back-to-back this week. So Actually, just... and one other quick note. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pit Lane Paul's report is not to be missed. <laughs> it is not long, but he is with us. And so we look forward to that conversation uh, as well. But sorry, back to you, sir. I didn't no, that's that. okay. Just... Let's jump into um, news and social. Now... I wrote a tweet this week that was something along the lines of Twitter can sometimes basically be a cesspit of humanity. You know, some real nasty people that can hang out in Twitter and you have to try to keep away from the toxic stuff. But actually, there was also a reminder this week about how it can be an awesome place as well. So there is a uh, Twitter user that goes by the handle of Centurion Lewis, big Lewis Hamilton fan, who is not in a good way. Like, shared the news that they're uh, battling advanced stages of cancer. Um... And essentially, the community just kind of just rallied round and was kind of like, um, we've got to get, you know, Mercedes and Lewis, we've got to get their attention on this. So, like, it just snowballed. People are kind of, like, tagging Lewis and Mercedes and everything. Um, And then it literally took a matter of hours, maybe. Yeah, Um, half a day tops. Half a day tops before Mercedes to respond and say, um, where are you in the UK? We'll basically lay on transport to get you to the, the Brackley uh, Mercedes facility and and bring you along and just awesome. I just I just love it when Twitter can do something like that in a positive way. I would love for it not to need someone to be 
in such bad shape battling cancer. But I loved the number of Max fans who came out and said, regardless of who we may cheer for, we got your back, man. And so uh, I saw it as well. And it just, I, I wish him nothing but the best. And I hope the trip is amazing. Um, there's no way to shift gears from that, but we're going to move on to what was a big trend this week as well. Uh, the George Russell is that type of guy trend. Uh, and the best part was George found it about a day into it. And it was early in the week, and it was great. You know, it was the George Russell, the type of guy, to ask the waiter, what's the damage, before they hand him the check. George, Rus- George Russell's the type of guy to say, I'm just going to squeeze right by you and trying to get through a crowd. I saw one that said something to the effect of, George Russell's the type of guy to slap his leg as he gets out of the chair. And uh, then George well, found him, and they were, and he loved him. He seemed to really enjoy him. So, and, and I love the fact that you found it funny, because a lot of the things that they were throwing on the end of this George Russell is the type of guy too is a, ha- a whole bunch of stereotypical yet painfully accurate Britishisms. So like that whole kind of like slapping your legs and saying, right then, before you get up, like, the need to announce it to a room that you're getting up and going somewhere is like a, a, is a painful Britishism. I've done it. Oh. The whole squeezing past someone, if, despite the fact they might be blocking your way and kind of saying, excuse me, can I just squeeze through or, you know, room for a little one or anything <laughs> like that. It's just and and it just snowballed from there. You had all those and it just kept going and going. And and like you say, he, he jumped in on the back of it in the end. I think he kind of, uh, did he, what was his tweet? How am I the kind of guy that has only just discovered this? <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I didn't realize some of those were Britishisms. They're, they're things I do as well. So I just kind of assumed they were, it was almost like a mix of Britishisms and dad jokes. Uh, True. Combined. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, Team Lando got in on it after Quali. It was great. They sent one out that said, uh, George is the type of guy to qualify after Lando. And uh, I thought that was funny because it was exactly this. And it wasn't a mean thing. Some people were like, oh, they're really, you know, taking the out of him. No, it was funny. And it was it was in the in alignment. But I have to highlight the best one. And it, it, it just slayed me. And I sent it out on Twitter. And they were in talking to the, the, the grid before the weekend. And they went around. And Alex had a good one because, you know, Alex and George are friends. So he's like, basically, George is the kind of guy... He did this live to camera. George is the type of guy who ends up with no shirt on at the airport security screening. And uh, I thought that was great. But then Valtteri. Oh, oh, oh my Valtteri. God. Oh, this was, it was, mm, it was so perfect. And it was in such quiet, deadpan finish type delivery. Uh, George Russell is the type of guy who overtakes in damp conditions at the end of the main straight at Imola. And then there was Ted Kravitz, I think it was interviewing. He said, and then blames the other guy. And Valtteri goes and blames the other guy. And so it was just so beautiful and perfect it was it, for me that was the capstone of perfection onto the george russell's the type of guy meme i don't know no I, I loved it i loved i just i like it when something like that snowballs and i like it even more when the person who's the target of it takes it well and joins in on it and then when all of his peers like ride in on it as well it was just one of those memes that if you were the sort of person that tries to start one off that's how you envisage it ending that the target of the meme adopts it and so do all of his uh peers so you know well played whoever kind of kicked that thing off um, then we had uh, ESPN F1 shared a video of uh, Kimi uh, feeding some water to a dog that had been left in a car in boiling hot heat, but the window yes. was slightly cracked open so he could kind of get his arm through the window and feed this uh, little dog uh, the drink. Yes, you will have the drink. Um, so actually, I think that was a little over a week ago, from being honest, because I saw it before it, it ESPN picked up on it, but it was brilliant. And it looked like he'd had it a yogurt or gelato cup and he'd poured it out Wait, and filled it with water. Where's the sounds? Um. Well, I have. You won't have the drink. Oh, but he will hey, have the drink. Could have made a play on it. I mean, come on. I, I look... 
But you will have the drink, Doggo? I don't know. I well, don't know something. What... I mean, I, I looked to you for the sounds, Brian, but... Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. I mean, if we really want to go backwards, you know, we can do one of these... Russell's the type of guy who would blah blah blah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. Um, I, I they, I'll let you talk about the next one because this was up your alley, and then I have oh, a couple I, I want to hit. I didn't even I just saw it on Twitter that there was um, Ocom was um revealing the helmet he was going to wear and how it would actually been um, a contest to design it. I didn't even realize there was a contest and, you know, whatever. Someone won it. It was made. It was actually the one that didn't win it that people like had absolutely <laughs> piled in on. Um, I can't even describe it. We'll just Maybe we'll just put it up on, like, uh, the, the image on, like, Twitter or Instagram or something. But if you can go to... Um, I don't. I don't even know where it is. Actually, I mean, Bell is the Bell helmets is the design thing, but it's essentially a helmet that is designed to look like Ocon wearing a cap. So it's actually <laughs> his face printed on the outside of the helmet, grinning like an idiot, to be honest. Um, but wearing his blue Alpine cap, and it's just hilarious. I just so wish they'd done that because that would have looked hilarious from the outside of the it car. It would have been perfect because it would have just looked like he was cruising around wearing his cap. As much as we loved Lando with the basketball in Miami, that would have been even better. That oh. would have been. Just top notch. It would have uh, been Chef's Kiss. Yes, it would. It would. Uh, a couple great things to watch on the interwebs. And we already talked a little bit about broad kind of social items, social media items. But McLaren had a couple videos that came out within about a week span. The first one was the Whisper Challenge, which thankfully I knew what this one was, as opposed to some of the other ones they launch into without explaining. Um, it was okay. It was fun. Like It felt like Daniel and Lando were actually kind of enjoying the the challenge but then they made um crepes this week and it's great like it is really funny and i i gotta be honest as much as i've been down on their chemistry and as much as daniel is you know embattled this one felt like the one where they were having fun this one felt like the one where they're the team's coming together uh, I love it when the plan comes together. It's, the A team is coming out. If anyone is ready, I'm ready to you know pull onto the here comes McLaren bandwagon because this it, it based pretty much solely on the social media, but obviously Lando qualified fifth <laughs> and then finished well. But uh, outside of that, it was fun to watch. Six minutes, check it out. The McLaren crepe challenge. Uh, there was a cool little um, FP1 video of Charles and Lando waving at each other as as practice started. Um, but then it's important to note. Speaking of YouTube, the Dirty Side YouTube was back up and alive after an initial run when we first started, and then it went dark. It is back. So if you ever want to listen to the podcast and YouTube is easier for you, check it out. So we'll put the podcasts out there each week. Um, it won't necessarily have video of us, but it'll have conversations and video pieces that kind of help out along the way. So it's good if you're um, at work and you have your, head, your earbud in, you can listen along um, via YouTube as well. Yeah, um, I, I, you say it may not have video of us. It, it I'm not skilled enough to be able to edit the video, Brian, so it 100% won't have video of us. Correct. But, um, but that's cool. And then talking about kind of uh, YouTube and our appearances uh, in media, um, we were both left a little stunned on, I think it was Thursday morning, um, maybe Friday. I don't know. Time is passing all over the place this week. Um, one of our listeners in St. Lee that we actually had on, on uh, 100 Seconds of DRS, and in fact, one of our first DRS guests, in fact. Yeah. Um, he sent us an article from a newspaper in the UK. Uh, it goes by the name of the Daily Express, which I've heard of many a time, and um, sends us this quote, which 
he's like, oh, I don't know if you saw this quote. And I kind of looked at it through bleary eyed. I'd just woken up. I was looking at it. I was like, okay, that seems like a quote from our show, whatever. And then I kind of looked at it properly and opened the link. And it's a, an article on their website. Um, XF1 driver has radical ideas about punishment for cost cap. I'm like, well, that's what Jack was talking to us about last week. So I was scrolling down this article and the whole article is talking about stuff that we talked to him about. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I doubt we're the only person that he's spoken to about that. And then you scroll down to the last paragraph of the article, direct quote in quotation marks, followed by the phrase, Jacques Villeneuve was talking to the Dirty Side of the Track podcast with a hyperlink to our episode. I mean, (laughs) if talking to him himself, Jacques Villeneuve hadn't been the most surreal thing ever, then this got very, very close, to be honest, Brian. It was just nuts. (laughs) It was. This is Jacques Villeneuve, and you're listening to the Dirty Side of the Track. Any chance to get that back in there. But yeah, it was, I can't believe, uh, you know, we were uh, quoted. So to the author, if you're out there and ever want to collab on any journalistic uh, efforts, let us know. We are uh, terrible, but uh, we're always here. And the last thing before we get into the French Grand Prix is just a story from my life. I was out at a bar on Friday with some friends. A lot of my friends had birthdays. And so we did a sort of a joint birthday drinks and a few of their wives were there and one of the kids and we were outside having a great time and I come out of the washroom and I come walking down the patio halfway into the evening and I might have been wearing a dirty side of the track t-shirt and as I come up back onto the patio area there's this table of four two men two women um, maybe slightly younger than I am and one of the women looks at me and yells dirty side of the track and now normally I'm pretty good at responding to things like this. I often, I've often, i actually gotten in trouble because I sometimes can say things that are, you know, not bad, but I can push boundaries and be funny and whatever. I completely had a brain fart. I Like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> she was a nice-looking lady, so if you're a listener, you know, kudos to you. But I screwed up, and I go, yeah, America's Form- Lean Formula Podcast just walked away and sat down. I go, that was dumb. Why didn't I actually talk to her? <laughs> And so, or the, the table, or her I, partner, I, or the, the other woman. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just walked away. Can I ask a question? Um, yeah. The picture you sent me when you're walking home, looking mm. like you've been enjoying yourself on a couple of liquid refreshments. Yes. Um, how close to that picture were you when you tried to respond to this person? How, where on the scale of numbers of beers were you? Uh, you know, I was pretty early in. I was probably oh. only three oh, beers okay. in when that happened, which may be why my brain didn't work, uh, is it hadn't had the proper alcoholic lubrication. But anyway, uh, so if you're a listener, um, ma'am, uh, sorry I didn't engage you more in conversation and just ran away uh, confused. But anyway, so today was the French Grand Prix. Let's talk a little bit about the practice that kind of led up to it. It was interesting. Mercedes got the time with their young driver in Nick DeVries on FP1 for Lewis took ninth. Uh, we learned for sure that signs would have at least a 10-spot grid penalty, which obviously became uh, 20. Why, um, why does that happen? Why is there this took kind more of parts. like... No, no, but why does it... Is, is there some kind of rule that you can't announce it all at one go? Because it was like, well, they've announced they're going to replace these parts, so there's a 10-place penalty coming. We're pretty sure that what they're going to do in FP2 or whenever it was is they'll announce that they're going to take the other parts and take the next 10. I'm like... Is that like by design? Because if you know it's going to happen, why don't you just go, yeah, we've got to replace all this crap because it's all broken. Uh, <laughs> I think they're waiting to see if they needed to. Or mm. hear me out, it was a strategic move by Ferrari. That oh, no, 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 no. I'm not ready for the anger yet. Let's not go there. Um, I've got to be honest. Me and you were very, very poor at writing any notes on this. And, and I watched FP2 and FP3. 
not a lot really happened. Even in FP3, when I thought I was holding back to think, well, with signs with a penalty now, do I keep him in my fantasy team? Oh, don't talk oh, about fantasy either. I mean, this is just a bad week. <laughs> well, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I think you beat me by a couple of points. I think it was like, I think. But anyway, we'll come to that later. But I was like really looking for some kind of indications, but no one really seemed to give... I don't know. Nothing seemed to happen in free practice three. It was kind of a little bit of trading of times at the front to kind of right. give you the indication that it was probably going to be a Ferrari pole, maybe. And then everything else was just kind of like, meh. <laughs> well, I, I would say Mercedes looked quick and looked like a threat. And then Checo looked lost. And what was curious is then in quali, let's just move right there. Um, we'll get into the story, but Mercedes looked slow, slower. And, uh, and Checo was better. And so it was like, like again, I guess don't put as much stock as you might expect into the practices. And so Q1 quali, Red Bull definitely fast in a straight line. Charles looking fast. K-Mag also was taking the engine penalty. So the question is, and at the beginning they said maybe he'll do a lap, right? Just so he does his minimum and can race. He actually was out there in Q1 and Q2 going for it. And That's what I found really bizarre. It was like... I mean, I kind of get it. As I thought about it, they're going, oh, yeah, he'll probably just trundle around, won't even register a lap, come back into the pits, and then he's satisfied the minimum needed of um, right. a single lap in quality. And, and he's going to start from the back anyway, so let's save wear and tear on the engine. Yeah, it makes sense. And like you say, he comes out and drops a, like, a quality <laughs> lap and puts him up in like sixth or whatever it was in Q1. I'm like, okay, but I guess, I mean, I, does it? It, it prevents other teams from getting further into the later stages, right? I guess. I guess. You can look at it that way. Yeah. Um, and and then all of a sudden, Haas were looking quite feisty, and like Mick comes uh, round oh. right on the line and kind of uh, takes oh. three tenths off and like slams it into the top ten. Like, yeah, baby! And then we get good old track limits raising their head again because uh, I don't know. He was the width of a pubic hair over the uh, <laughs> over the white line, and um, right, they then. delete. I, I, the one that annoys me about this, right? Is that it's the inside corner, it's not the outside. It's not like slingshotting outside right. and, and taking advantage of going off the track that way. It's about cutting the corner. But they've actually got a bollard, it looked like, on that inside that corner to, to prevent you from cutting the corner too much. So I'm like, well, And a curb, cares? a curb and then yeah. the bollard but next so to it, yeah. If you're inside that bollard, why you worry? And if the bollard isn't in the right place to adjudicate track limits, move the bollard. It's like, well, the bollard's use, that's useless. It's basically they're just using the white line. There's no point to having that thing there because it... it what, I mean, if they're well, enforcing exactly. track limits, then, you don't need it. It's 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 not useful. And I found some stats somewhere that you know um, Schumacher probably made. It wouldn't have even been in the, measured in the tenths. It would have been measured in the thousandths. The amount of time that he would have saved by being that inch over the white line, and he was three tenths quicker in that lap. So I get it, right? There's rules. You've got to observe track limits, but. A, I don't get the inside corner one as much when it's not really that quicker and you've got the bollard to enforce the real huge corner cut. Just just let them do it as long as they don't hit the bollard. If they hit the bollard, track deleted. Yeah. Uh, sorry, lap deleted. But anyway. Well, if they hit it, you'll notice. And then exactly. you don't have to watch as carefully. I mean, exactly. I don't know. It, it, so I had Mick on my fantasy team. I made a last second hungover decision to um, put in put in Mick instead of K-Mag at the bottom of my uh, dollar amount roster. So when that happened and he was removed, I said, ah, oh, that's perfect. However, I also have Albon. So then he was he, he was through to Q2 because of that. So he went out of the uh, elimination zone and, and moved up. But we lost Pierre, Lance, Zhou Guan Yu, Mick, and Nikki Latifi. Um, Pierre, by the way, with a weekend to forget, if I'm being completely honest. We'll talk yeah. more about Pierre in a second. The pictures of his parents... 
in the back of the uh, of the garage. Uh, it was rough. There were a few times they cut to him, and I don't think the parents knew they were on TV, and they were like, "Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> and then we got through to Q two, and and Carlo, despite the fact that he was taking the grid penalty, it was almost like he just wanted to do the whole "Well, I'll show you anyway" thing, and just absolutely obliterated everybody nine tenths faster than anybody out there it was just like where did that come from yeah carlo's having a really weird season where he's got these flashes of being like absolute genius behind the wheel and then he can go and get stuck in traffic for or end up in the gravel three races in a row i don't understand it like you said he can take pole he can win a race now he can put in this lap that is just perfection and then then it'd be holding up his own teammate in the same car yeah. It's just, and like we said, Mercedes was slower than expected. We lost Danny Rick, Esteban, um, Valtteri, uh, Seb, and Alex in Q2. And then Q3, this was great. So the slingshot came out, and uh, I loved it. The slipstream, uh, that was great. It was fun to watch. I don't know if it really did a lot, maybe a little bit, but I think he had it anyway. I think he um, had pole anyway, but yeah. the... It was just, I mean, for all the things that Ferrari can't get right and the strategy that they can't get right, which we will come on to as we get angry later, but this was just judged beautifully twice. Uh, Carlo knew exactly where he needed to be, gave uh, Charles the maximum toe down uh, down the straight that he could, and then, although, actually, on the second time that he did it, the camera angle was a little bit deceptive, and I thought that Carlo wasn't going to get out of the way in time and was going to like be completely yeah. holding him up, but then he pulled out. So they just they just played it perfectly um got pole fantastic and then in came the mercs and it's like oh, okay so here we go it's uh yeah, ferrari's red bull in come the mercs it's all good and then lando, lando. just came barreling around the corner love it um but we both noticed exactly the same problem with the uh yeah twice happened twice yeah. this weekend and i don't yeah. understand again maybe this is because i'm so riled up about what happened with ferrari and such a bad taste in my mouth even though i enjoyed the race um it was chaos so McLaren had a picture of Lando with someone pressing bread on the sides of his face, and they put little Mercedes emblems on each piece of bread, and they wrote a Mercedes sandwich. No, no, no. If you take peanut butter and jelly and put it on bread, it's not a bread sandwich. It's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The thing in the middle, the meat or the entree, chicken salad, whatever, tuna, turkey, ham, bologna, I don't care, cheese. That's what the sandwich is called. That would be a McLaren sandwich if there's a Mercedes on each side. And Mercedes is the bread. You cannot call it a Mercedes sandwich. And I recognize it's an easy mistake to make, but then it was made again in a different situation today on race day. And I, I got, well, I was already angry, so it just... I, I just think it set the tone for the entire weekend. I was angry that they could misname a sandwich so badly. Uh, and that just kind of set me off on the wrong foot for, for everything that was going to come. So Before uh, we close Quali, we'll close this episode, but Quali for the year. I do have a couple stats before we get into the race that I want to hit quickly. And let's kind of understand a bit. Sap Stats qualifying edition through the first 12 races. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about 12 races of qualifying and some of the head-to-head... Yeah, Sorry, you like that? one no, second no. before. Yeah. Right. We've got one more race until it's the break. Yeah. You couldn't have saved this up for no. qualifying edition at the break no. and just waited one more week. We've no, got some wait. random... Someone else will do it. Another podcast will take it. Okay. Someone else will publish it. I want to be okay. cut we'll, edge, we'll, baby. we'll edit this bit out and pretend it never happened. I'm nope. totally. I'm totally not doing that. Okay. okay. 
Um, so just qualifying head-to-heads. And a lot of them are sort of commonsensical. That might make sense. Like Max 9-3 to over Checo. Uh, Charles 10-2 to over Carlos. Interestingly, Mercedes, Hamilton, and Russell now 6-6. Six, six. Um, uh, Lando 10-2 to over Danny Rick. But here's, a, here's one that I thought found interesting. If I'd asked you at this point, Alpine, who has the better qualifying, Fernando or Esteban, what would you have said if you're not looking at the stat that we have in our notes here? Well, I know I just looked at the stats we had yeah. in the notes because I didn't realize you were going to ask me that. But I would have said Alonso because just Alonso, just in my head, is the better driver. But would you say eight to four? That's that's a bigger gap than I would have anticipated. I feel like Esteban scores a lot more points. But anyway, yeah, but points are scored on a Sunday. I would yeah. have said I would have said twelve nothing. So then, <laughs> well, well then, Valtteri nine three on Joe Guan Yu. Um, we have Seb eight to two on Lance um, because he was out a couple races with COVID to start the year, if you remember, and Nico was in there. Uh, Alex ten to two on Nikki Latifi. But then if I'd asked you, what do you think about Alpha Tauri? Because we had a listener, Paul M., in Detroit send us a note, and he said Yuki seems to be really bringing it to Pierre. And we'd done some analysis you know, a few races ago, and it was pretty even. What would you say now Alpha Tauri qualifying is at this point? Uh, do you want me to pretend I'm not looking at the notes? All right, right it's Pierre eight to four over Yuki. I would have thought it was closer. I would actually have guessed it was closer to six six. I would because we've been sort of saying that Gasly doesn't seem to have been the driver right. that last that this year that he was last year. So I would have probably I would have thought it would have been closer to the six six. But I was surprised by that. And then the last one is are the Haas boys, and um, I figured K Mag would be ahead of Mick, especially at the beginning of the year. It just seemed to be blanking him, but it's ten two. It's one of the extremes. I did not see that coming. Yeah, the veteran over the rookie-ish. Yeah. Um, Second year, man, but that's right. Um, so then, sorry, last one, Ferrari as a whole. We've talked about this as well. Number of poles at Ferrari. The By far, we've we mentioned this when we did uh, Vale's Tales on Schumacher. We've mentioned this earlier this year. Schumacher, 58 poles for Ferrari, by far the most, over double the second-place man of Nicky Lauda with 23. However... When the season was getting underway, we noticed that it was Felipe Massa at 15, Ascari at 13, and Seb at 12 in terms of all-time polls for Ferrari. With the pole position that Charles got on Saturday, that gave him 16, moved him into sole position of third place by himself ahead of Felipe Massa. That's pretty impressive. I'm sorry to have third place all alone in all-time polls at Ferrari, and he's still young and hasn't been there that long. That's pretty darn good, if I'm being honest. It is, but he's got to start converting Saturdays into Sundays a bit more because who's oh, going to really care when oh, what yeah, your yeah. poll stats are if you don't back it up on a Sunday? So well, let's talk about talking about the Sundays. Yeah. So first off. Um, we had a glorious combination in the bar this morning because we had one of our DRS guests, uh, Ben, and our, another DRS guest and also contributor of the DRS music, uh, my neighbor Jim, uh, were both in the bar this morning. So it's kind of like DRS community. Uh, <laughs> we actually it. had our strongest showing down there. We had 11 down there today, which was uh, cool. Did you sign um, some of the other people up to be on DRS? Do they listen? Uh, we're trying, we're trying. Ben brought a couple of friends across to the, uh, along to the bar that they right. really, really seem into it. But So everything was good. We were getting excited. The start was good. Um, Charles got away. Everything was looking awesome. We had the Hass boys looking racy and like jumping up uh, a few places. K-Mag especially quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah K-Mag was up like seven, ups, seven yeah. up seven spots in the first lap. Oh, and it, I was thinking, okay, okay, Paul Richard. Uh, 
I don't really like you, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here because things are looking racy right from from the get go. Um, and then I think you sent me a note that was like, "Has this race gone into its lull from like the fourth lap or whatever it was?" It was yeah. just, um, hmm. We just seem to have we quickly settled into not a lot. Um, it gets better later. Oh, much, got very much quickly, spicier, yeah. Very quickly, later. we just kind of got into this. Well, Max and Charles are going to do their dance at the, at the front. Max is going to have straight line speed in sector two, which is going to get him really, really, really super close. And everyone's going to get excited that he's going to put a pass on. Then we're going to go into sector three and then back into sector one, where the corners favor Ferrari. So Charles is going to pull away again. And then we're going to get into sector two, and Max is going to get super, 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 super close. And everyone's going to get super excited on the commentary that it's all going to happen any minute. And it just didn't. But it then did because it didn't... The TV, again, uh, I'm going to start getting angry already now. The people responsible for doing the TV direction couldn't decide, well, this is just the same that's happening. Let's just keep an eye on the front two. Let's say, uh, I don't know, hey, intern over there, you keep an eye on that on that TV screen that is uh, Max and Charles. And if anything happens, let us know because there's loads of stuff going on in the midfield that we keep doing the little micro window within a window on the left-hand side on the um, yeah. infographic that kind of, you almost have to like walk up to the TV and put your eyeballs on the TV to be able to see what's going on. We missed Every early overtake. Rob, some of us aren't alcoholics in bars at 8 a.m. and sit at home on our 10-foot screens. And I can see it in that little box. But uh, they still didn't show anything in it. And so here's a couple things that also happened at the start. A, McLaren was racing each other, right? So Checo went down and Lewis went up. And then it was Danny Rick and Lando racing each other. And it was amazing. I loved it. Stroll went up five places, so kudos to Lance. And then he got right behind Seb, and they were racing each other pretty hard. And I'm going to get to them at the end, because that needs a little more attention. Didn't get enough at the end of the race. We were debating how important and heavy DRS would be here. Not enough, is what I think we learned. Um, yep. you, you couldn't pass. You could get close. And then, effectively, like you said with Max, he was just constantly in Charles' rearview mirrors. And after a few laps... When I said, wrote, you know, feel like we ran into a Paul Ricard lull. Um, it's not quite what you wrote, but we're keeping this pod clean. I I, I was already saucy. I, and I, I mean, completely uh, had nothing to drink, but I, yeah, a lot of F words. And so um, the largest gap on track, as I'm looking at the intervals, the largest gap was from second to third. So Max and Charles, or Charles and Max, I guess I should say, are motoring off and they're right on each other's you know, tail, right? Max right in his rear view mirrors. And then it was like a six-second gap to Lewis. And that was twice as much as the gap anywhere else on the track. Yeah. Yet with all those close following, there were very few battles at the beginning. There were a few occasionally. We'd only see them when they'd flip on the interval chart because we didn't see half of them occur yeah. in real time. And then what was could have been a masterstroke to kind of get out of all the traffic and maybe look to do a one-stop like super early. Haas pulled the trigger on a, <laughs> a very risky strategy, which... Did not had work. It, had we not had the safety car, it would have been interesting to see where those two had right. turned out. But So they go real early. They go nine for K-Mag, 10 for Schumacher. They go to the hards, and that's it now. That's their one stop. They'd started on the mediums. They were going on to the hard. That but was their one stop for the rest of the race. Too early. It's, it's too early. Um, I'm sorry. I, I get it. I get what they tried to do. But if we're going to put Ferrari behind the woodshed because they pitted Carlos 10 laps to go, we should also have a problem pitting someone 10 laps in, nine laps for, for K-Mag. That's super early, and they weren't like on softs or anything. It's not like no, they went on soft tires early, to get we'll, this, jump the start. We'll never know because the oh, I no, mean, we'll know. It was the a bad safety move. car just completely destroyed their race day. Yeah, that's true. Um, that is true. Although I hear, wait, what's this? Just breaking news. 
Haas is still at the circuit. They're doing their ninth pit stop of the day. They're so just- so I, I've got to bring you up on this because I saw you send a tweet out about like, oh, Mick's going in for his fifth pit stop, right? Mm. So I looked at the, the the official results. Mick only did two. He did a two stop and the second was only forced because he had a collision. So why are you thinking that they're making way more pit stops they're than anybody else? They're hitting so early. They had to have had a very aggressive two stop strategy. Uh, okay. There was a second one. It was like, the, you know, they're still out there making these random pit stops that didn't work. I just think your anger got in the way of your uh, comedy gene. You, you know, I'm just, not. I didn't get I'm it. I'm not an angry person. I'm a person who I'm a lover, not a fighter. And today just riled me up and got me all. <clears throat> well, well, it, it did because um, you were getting quite angry in the uh, comments. So it's kind of we saw that you know signs passes folk uh, and another one that we don't see the details of. And I I just written a, a note in there that Brian's a diva that demands constant action because <laughs> you were getting upset at the lack of action. I was getting boring. Or, or the yeah. lack of action that we were actually seeing. Um, but then so it, anyway, we, we saw get... action, and I will say this, we saw action not because of the racetrack, but because of things happening. Yes. Like, it, it, the racetrack didn't cause a great race. An interesting race happened on a boring racetrack, is the way I would phrase it. And so okay. Max came into the pits on lap 16, and at this point, Crofty is basically saying, how soon will we see Charles come in? Because you can't let an undercut occur at this point. You have to react. And then Max or Charles goes by. And then Charles goes by, and then, and then something happened. Oh, and it's just so frustrating because it's like, if oh, I'm just getting angry thinking about it now. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm in full on Hulk mode. Um, but he pits. You've got the track position. You, he's going to be doing an outlap where he's going to be warming his tires up. So you know you can just copy him and box. And I don't right. think the undercut is going to be strong on this circuit because they have to spend three years coming out of the pit lane. Right. Um, they extended because... the pit lane too, by the way. It's forty. <laughs> it was like they... over thirty seconds lost. You have to go into Spain and come back into France. That's how yeah. long the pit lane is. <laughs> but it's just like so. Just pit straight away. Just copy him. He's blink first. Copy him. You pre- unless you screw up the pit stop, you'll be back out in front of him. Exactly. So. Or you know these tires can go on for a long time, so you extend the run really long, Gamble. and then you're gonna and then you're gonna maximize some fresh hards, but which are like I don't know five to ten laps fresher than Max's. But, when Carlos but, but, but is your wingman, been, yeah, Charles has already been moaning about kind of the tires, so you're like, yeah. well, don't leave him out on them, don't let, don't put it in his hands. And he, there was no second teammate because Carlos is coming through the field at this point. Yeah. There's, there's no team game. It, you have to react to Max. And they went by twice. And at this point, I'm thinking, what are they doing? And then they cut to the car in the barrier. And I'm like, that can't be Charles. And it's Charles. And I'm like, no. And then, and then we get the whole internet conspiracy theory. So um, he mentioned his throttle on the radio when he was in the wall. Now, what they've said since. So at first point, everyone's going, oh, he had the problem with the throttle a few races ago. So did his throttle jam open again? You, you watch that? That um, when the rear twitches, that's not an open throttle. That's not rear tires that are lighting up and he can't stop it. So, and then what they actually said was, if you listen to radio again, he couldn't because he didn't really hit the the wall that hard. He was trying to back out. He was trying to back out. He's trying to put it into reverse, but he couldn't get the throttle. He couldn't select the throttle to be able to to reverse back out again. So, I do actually think this isn't. It's not um, Ferrari reliability issue again. I think it is just Charles just screwing it up, pushing a little bit too hard, and then I'll flip the blame back to Ferrari, pushing it too hard on tyres he shouldn't have still been out on. Shouldn't have been out there. And then Nico Rosberg had a, a great point. I'm not a big Nico fan. I think he's... Uh, anyway, and so he he had the point as well. Maybe the wind got him and, because there was some great work 
by uh, Anthony Davidson showing the exact same approach the lap prior in the exact same place, no problems. And yeah. so the question is, what what changed? And it's either you know, additional tire deg, uh, degradation for um, newer fans. So when the tires are falling off a cliff, you can't stay out there forever. And so that might be it. Maybe it was the wind. Maybe he got on the throttle a little early, but it doesn't seem like a reliability problem. But what would then really, like I'm sitting there just, just, and then, you know, okay, so safety car, people come in, Carlos comes in, and had an unsafe release, which cost him a five-second penalty. Forget the penalty. Ferrari screwed that up because there's someone who hits a button when everyone is clear, when the jack men are away from the tires and they're it's all ready to go, and he gets a green light when there's no one coming. And the driver doesn't like look in their tiny little fake BS side mirrors. They're ready to go. And when the light goes green on their pit stop board, they go full power and get out of there. So someone gave Carlos the green light, and he peels out basically into Albon and in order to Albon slams his brakes great work by Alex to avoid that Carlos avoids him they were inches from the McLaren mechanic in the pit box in front of him and I I mean I saw that and I I I mean it was rough like I I was very scary yeah no agree and the other thing was that I don't know them. I'd love to talk to Paul about this to find out what the kind of the hierarchy is in the in the pit crew. But when um, they all back away from the car and Carlos is supposed to go the first time, something happens. He doesn't quite pull away. And then in the there was an, there was a, a view from behind the jack man where you can see Albon coming down the pit lane and the front jack guy half goes back in front again as right. if he's going to stop and go well you can't go there's a car coming but then doesn't have the courage and convictions and goes ah oh, it'll be all right and just kind of moves away again and then Carlo just like screams out I'm like was it his responsibility was he if he saw the car coming was he supposed to just go in and re-engage the front jack and go no I know the gr- the light might be green but cars coming I don't know whose job it is but someone screwed up there big style um, and it was I mean. I, I was like, I was scared when you saw how, the replay of how close they were to the McLaren mechanic. Because, I mean, it's one thing when you're in a car and you have an accident, the the cell has been built to protect you. But when you're just a dude standing out there, yeah. I mean, that's bad, bad news. Anyway. And then they didn't even com- they didn't even uh, communicate the penalty at first to uh, Carlos, right? It sounded like they told him it was a stop go. And it's like, well, they it did. Was, oh, they said, they did say stop go penalty. And he goes, stop go? Why would it be a st-? And they go, yeah, I'm sorry. We're wrong on that too. And I'm like, oh my God, the Keystone cops can't shoot straight. And then, straight. you know, we saw a little bit of action. We saw Mick spinning and everyone instantly assumes that he's lost it, but he hadn't. He'd been tagged by uh, Joe, so they came both in for pit stops we saw signs smashing through the field trying to catch up and then we had a bizarre kind of like few laps where it all went a little bit quiet and the biggest news we got was that ted was changing his <laughs> batteries and he didn't they asked him a question and it all went silent for about 30 seconds and he came back on and said oh i'm sorry did you ask me a question i've just been changing my battery and went off down this little rabbit hole of describing his battery change for what yeah it was, got a little bit of a lull right we saw the gasly parents annoyed uh lap 35 ted came on and made the mistake again where he said it was a mclaren or he said it was an Alpine sandwich, but it was really a McLaren sandwich because you had yeah. Fernando, uh, Lando, Danny, and then Esteban. Um, and then Danny, Daniel, Daniel Ricardo was in trouble, kind of getting eaten up by Esteban. Uh, we had K-Mag and Latifi bumping each other, which knocked K-Mag out on lap 39. And then, then it gets crazy again, right? Because oh, Ferrari gets on... This is where I'm going to get really angry now, Brian, yeah. but come on. Well, Ferrari gets on the radio, and I actually retweeted someone who had a great meme on this about all the different plans that Ferrari uses. Plan D, plan D. Uh, All right. So they went on lap 40, they went to plan D. 
But he, he, here's where it gets crazy, right? So Carlos said, I, I, we should pit. He's like, now is the time to pit on lap 40. And they said, stay out, stay out. And so you think they're going to finish the race on these tires, which are coming apart yep. a little bit. But you're going for it. Ten laps or so left. You're going to finish the race. You're in great shape. And then he, he makes a great move on Checo. Oh, kind awesome of gets, move. Awesome yeah. move. And in the middle of the move, and again, I recognize the TV, the, the team radio isn't instantaneous, but it's not that delayed. They get on the radio during his move. At the very, at the very least, it's the beginning of his move on Checo and tell him to box box. So it took him two laps to be completely indifferent to the strategy they were going to take. No decision. He says pit. They say stay out. Now they come back. Let's come in. But we're going to tell you this at the most critical juncture of your race. And you move into third place. And then they still tell him to box. Uh, it, it was just so angry. I'm angry about it now again. It's like, why? you? If you're getting held up by Perez and you're not quite putting the move on him, pit now. Pit now, put softs on because right, you've only got right. 10 laps left and just be like a rocket ship for the last 10. Or... See if you can get past him and then see if you could eke out five seconds on him and serve the penalty at the end of the race. No, no, let's let's do neither. Let's waste two or three laps. Let's burn the tires off more. Let's uh, finally let Carlo pass Perez. And the moment he's passed, let's not build up any kind of gap. Let's just immediately pit, hand everything back and give him 10 laps to chase down 21 seconds to get back where he was. Unbelievable. Just insane. Now, there was a school of thought. I'm going to give my friend Az that was on DRS a shout out. He was kind of saying, well, um, if he'd have stayed where he was, he probably wouldn't have had the pace in those tires towards the end. So he would have probably lost two places with the five second penalty by pitting and charging back through. He only lost one place, but got the fastest lap bonus point. So it's a good call by Ferrari. I'm, should have made it earlier then. If I'm, that's the call, they should have made it uh, earlier. I'm thinking that's a captain hindsight call that in hindsight, you can say it worked out like that. I, I, I massively don't think that's what's going through Ferrari's head at the time. I just think that it's like, I, they just turn around to the people in the, on, on the pit wall and say to the strategists at Ferrari, hey, what we're going to do now? And it's just pinky in the brain back there. It's just kind of like, it's just, I don't know. I just <laughs> well, but have a plan. I mean, you have 26 plans, one for each letter of the friggin' alphabet. And if you're going to stay out, Stay out. If you're going to pit for new tires at some point, pit before you get this far into the race with 10 laps left. It's a 30-plus second uh, loss for the pit. Do yeah. it earlier. We just, the whole world bagged on Haas for pitting lap nine. Why is, and the same thing for Ferrari with 10 laps to go. Bring them in earlier and and get them out if you're going to do that. But don't go back and forth and have a debate like this. Have a friggin' plan and stick oh, to it, man. I know. And then, the, and then that kind of saw that really, other than signs, kind of, he, he quickly cut through, but then he was never going to catch Alonso oh. with the, the big seconds. The, the, the other story that suddenly developed was, hang on a minute, um, Max is dropping Lewis because the Merc can't stay with the Red Bull. So surely Checo is therefore dropping George because the Merc can't stay with the Red Bull. But no, um, two different drivers in the same machinery, and suddenly George is on a rampage uh, going Yeah, after. but two different drivers in both um, sets of machinery. So. True, but I was very, very surprised to see the the ease which, with, with which Max was pulling out on Lewis, yet Checo had no answer to George whatsoever. I thought this is, to me, that was the biggest sort of um, shine in a spotlight, and Checo just is missing something in that 
overall ability to whole ever weekend. make him the whole weekend yeah. he was off he was bad in yep. practice he had a decent little quality in q3 in particular and he just wasn't great in the race he started slow and he was just kind of hanging out there i don't <laughs> really know and then what really boggles my mind was you know first of all george thinks he's past him they make contact this is a british term whinging was he whinging uh, do i he have was that whinging. yeah he was whinging because okay was george right by the letter of the law by the new regulations i think they've said that if you're on the inside of a corner if your front wheel is level with the rear wheel of the car in front then you're deemed to be whatever their new regs are right okay yeah, okay fine but i think we need a little bit of context here george if the way that you've got that wheel level is by throwing it up the inside from miles outside, away yep. where you shouldn't have been there coming in at mach 10 where there's no chance you're going to be able to break so the other guy has to bail and uh, leave the track i'm not sure that counts as alongside i, I I thought they were pretty generous when they just it, said racing incident. I agree. Because it reminds me of like if you had two boxers in the ring punching each other in the face and one of them said, hold on, according to Sporting Regulations 32, your glove is not laced the correct way. Just race. Just box. Just fight. You're doing it. Stop worrying about it. And Toto had to get on twice and tell him to yeah. zip it. But um, he recovered. George, I mean. Well, hold on. So. Go, go on. This, <laughs> Go on, this was we'll amazing, but I also, there's like some rumors floating around here. So on the VSC restart, amazing move by George to get past Checo, who was taking a siesta, apparently. And just from the restart, bang right past him. However, there's a little bit of stuff going around on Twitter post-race pretty quickly that there were two notifications about the VSC ending, and there may have been some confusion so I don't know if that's accurate or not, but if it's not, that if smells Checo like, just yeah, that smells che- like your initials to me. Um, <laughs> if Checo I, I was just sleeping, that was terrible. I, I think that um, you've got to keep the delta right. You have to keep the if they were like uh, 0.5 seconds apart, you have to kind of maintain the 0.5 seconds apart. When the VSC ends, you can't have made up ground. But what was genius by George, if nobody saw it, was the way that he decided to interpret this is if I completely back off, so I'm probably three, four, five seconds, well, maybe not that much, but basically I back off miles from Checo just as I think the VSC is ending. And then I floor it so that I can time it that just as VSC ends, I'm back to my 0.5 seconds behind, but he's basically going 20 miles an hour and I'm going like 90. I'm just going to breeze past him because he won't have a clue what's going on. And no, Checo was still kind of midway through order in the uh, which slush puppy he wanted with his takeout and um he didn't see him coming he what's just, a slush not... puppy is that like a hush puppy but a slushy combined yeah it's maybe that i thought it was an american thing that you guys shipped over uh, to the uk a slush puppy, slush puppy? it's um it's an it's an ice drink i think you really, made a mistake really, it's no hush puppy is a shoe it's also food is it a slush puppy is a like crushed ice with lots and lots of artificial <laughs> flavoring um, really? with a little a slushy dog. and like a slurpee those are things at 7-eleven well, okay, I'm just saying, I'm, there's no way we came up with that because it's lots and lots of artificial coloring and ice. So that's very American. So I'm sure you forced it on us. <laughs> oh, please. Maybe it was, what maybe are you, Clarkson, making guys, fun of Americans? Maybe now? it's Come something on. you guys didn't want and you were like, those idiot British will take this. If we just tell you it's American, they'll just take it. Uh, and uh, we did. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So then the end of the race. The end of the race. Um, not, probably didn't get enough attention. Uh, it got some because of what happened. The Aston Martins were back at it. The... They got back together again as they started the race, and Lance was in front of Seb. And I didn't, there's some context here that I didn't appreciate during the race because, you know, they're finally showing things on the telecast. And they show. Telecast? Well, are you from the 1970s? <laughs> yeah. Black and white TV I got going here. They show Seb right up 
Lance's trumpet on the final corner, and Lance cuts inside, and it was, I don't know if he brake-checked him or slowed down or if he just had no pace, but Seb had to get out of the, the throttle, and Lance finishes ahead of Seb, and it was saucy at the end. But, hold on, if one of the things that is important to note is, do you know where Lance finished? So what position that was for? It was for 10th. It was the last tenth. point, wasn't it? Was it? The la- I didn't know it was and the I, last point. I did not know they were they, fighting for last point like that. They didn't give any coverage to the fact that for the first time in forever, both Astons were both A, finishing, and B, finishing like fighting Near for a points. point. Right. Because they've been at the back with Williams for like what feels like forever. But um... And Alpine had a double point finish. Yeah. Yes, they did. And actually, um, sorry, so did McLaren. I did, Danny Rick was ninth. I just noticed that. So McLaren and Alpine, double points. Aston Martin, one in the points with Seb, a millimeter behind. But um, but but hang on a second. Hang on. We're talking about the end of the race when it finished. Um, and for the first time ever, we'd already got Pit Lane Pool's report by this point. <laughs> yeah. How did, So anyway, we got the report before the race is done. It shows up in the Gmail. We're like, what? Um, let's hear what Paul had to say about an interesting uh, Paul Ricard race Hi guys so um, I don't really know where to go what to say the race hasn't finished yet it's actually um, there's actually probably about 10 laps left maybe maybe 7 laps left but I've got to rush to the airport so I won't lie let's get this done now because I can't see a lot happening for the rest of this race for the simple reason that not a lot's happened since lap 1 um, I'd be particularly happy if we never come to this place again. A, because it's hard to get to. B, because, well, let's be fair, it's been a terrible race considering. Um, France is the world's most popular tourist destination. Uh, I would like to think that the attendance here uh, would drop significantly tourism-wise based on today. Um, to give you some size of France, it's the largest European Union country. It's actually smaller than Texas. So yeah, we yeah, were to Texas. And uh, just to give you some more French facts, they eat about 25,000 tons of snails each year. <laughs> Remarkable. It's the speed that they move also. So it doesn't really surprise me. And they invented camouflage for the French army, so I'm told. Probably just weren't doing anything, so no one saw them. So uh, we'll give them that. <laughs> Uh, turning a baguette upside down is unlucky. I imagine lots of baguettes were turned upside down at the start of this race because, you know, mainly in the Ferrari garage, as they have done a Ferrari again, haven't they? I do not understand the strategy with science. It makes no sense to me. I, 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 I'm not a strategist by any... I just don't get it. I don't get Ferrari. I don't understand. French was once the official language of England... <laughs> I would swear in French to describe my feelings towards the French Grand Prix. So what we got, probably four or five laps left. Uh, Verstappen's going to win, Lewis is going to be second, Perez arguably third, with Russell's chasing him down. Russell's just tried a crazy move at the inside, which was pretty embarrassing as he still claims it to be Perez's fault. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) See you in Budapest. I I love that little kind of sound of defeat at the end. Like he's just literally hated every second of that race. Well, I mean, everyone and, says it's incredibly hard to get to and from the track. Like the traffic is a is a nightmare, and it's in the middle of nowhere, as he said. I mean, I, and and it's not it doesn't the the track doesn't cause good racing. Today yeah. we had interesting racing because of circumstance. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, I will not miss it. If it's true that it's not returning next year, I will not miss it. We 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 beat up on it last week that we don't like it. It gives us headaches, and it's not a great racetrack. And we said, 
you know, maybe the new regs can deliver us a race that will be absolutely awesome. And nope. yeah, it didn't. No, nope. but we had to. Talk, we have to talk about fantasy. I got to be honest. Um, I didn't even check my fantasy score until we started the podcast, like right before we started. I, I didn't want to see it. I didn't. I didn't want to know. It was like just not something I was interested in. But today, from Circuit Paul Ricard in the Dirty Side Fantasy League, the top five were before we get back to Rob and myself. The top five were E All S with Nutcracker Wannabes, 173 points. Nice job, E All. That's really good. Avanish S Team One, 171 right behind. Cy M with Safe Bet, Kelly Marie S with Winging It, and Stephen U with Vroom Stappen coming in fifth. So great job to everybody who finished in the top five. Scores, though, highest 173. So as you could see, you know, in most weeks we have, you know, we're in the 200s. So obviously with some of the retirements, with some of the, you know, mix up to the finishing order, um, it definitely, it definitely didn't go the way anyone anticipated. I did beat you slightly. I, there's no gloating. It was just such a mess today. Was it one twenty six to one twenty three or something? I think one thirty four to one thirty. It was. Oh not- uh, yeah, it was not pretty. It was uh, once Tass went up in smoke. Once Leclerc disappeared. Um, once I knew you had Max, but you had Ferrari and I had Red Bull. I knew that my Red Bull wouldn't be enough to cover your Max. So it was. Yeah, I, I finished seventeenth, yeah. um, which is fine. I'm, I'm actually, I guess, happy with that. The, the downer is just a quick note. Uh, and our leader in the league is Andrew T with Alpha Taley. And Andrew, coming out of Austria before this race today, I did a little analysis. Um, Andrew was twenty seventh in the world. The world. Oh my gosh! Out of a hundred one point four eight million people who play F one, Andrew T. If you're listening, twenty seventh in the world before today. Now he had a worse today than I did, um, so I caught up to him a little bit. And I'm I'm I uh, I don't know how to do this without sounding uh, smug, uh, Clarkson esque, but uh, I was seven oh seven in the world before today out of 1.48 million, which puts me in the 99.9522 percentile. 707, that's pretty rubbish though, isn't it, really? There's like 706 people in front of you. I mean, 20, in the world. 20, whatever it was, 20-something, is like amazing, but 700, I mean, you're just clutching at straws now. In the world, but yeah, no longer after number. my debacle yeah. today. Uh, debacle. I, I think we move on and forget about that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so now, yeah, we got um, another uh, DRS this week. Caught up with uh, an old school buddy of mine, uh, ben, uh, it was great catching up with him, despite the fact that Brian, yet again, when anybody mentions the school system in the UK, he decides to uh, give them grief that they went to Hogwarts. But um, No, you have like a fancy name. Listen, it's... It has a fancy name. So what? I mean, it's just like, I'm just sensing some sort of jealousy here that you wish you'd gone to Hogwarts. But uh, <laughs> here we go. We will push through tonight, platform nine and three quarters and uh, catch up with Ben. <laughs> Right, now it's uh, my great pleasure to add yet another one from somebody in my background to the DRS, being as Brian is having monopoly over this. Oh, come so on to, <laughs> so, so to keep the trend going, um, I would like to welcome my school buddy, Ben, to the dirty side of the track. Uh, hello, Ben. Hi, nice to be here. Well, it's nice to meet you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So the real question I have before we get into your Formula One exp- passion experience background is why are you friends with Rob? Um, I suppose circumstance more than anything, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we met when we were uh, we were at school, so um, 10 years old, um, a school called St. Edwin's Middle School in a town called Esham, which is um, on the Rob's hometown. And then uh, we went on to Prince Henry's High School through from 13 to 18, 
to the same school together. I used to sit next to Robin French. Oh boy. Oh yeah. May we? Was that was that when we had? Uh, was that Mr. Swin or was it Mr. Uh... Mr. Swin? That's Mr. Right. Swin, yeah. Shout out, yeah. Mr. Swin. We'll, well be tagging so, you in this episode. Well, I'm not sure if you might even yeah, be still right. alive. Did okay. the Did the Pet Shop Boys ever make it across to the US, Brian? Have you ever heard uh, of the Pet yeah. Shop Boys? Okay. Uh, vaguely, so, it's a so thing. they had a song. They had a song called "It's a Win," and we used to mess around at the back of the class, and we used to sing to this to that uh, theme was Mr. 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 Swin. Uh, so yeah. That's Sorry, that's how that's why me and Ben are both fluent in French because we just <laughs> messed around doing that instead. In fact, I can remember as well that you gave me because this came up the other day because we were watching Stranger Things and you know like the Kate Bush um, things big at the moment and I can remember you gave me this tape once and it had Abbey Road um, by the Beatles was on three quarters of it and then at the end there was just these five or six random Kate Bush, Kate Bush songs, so. And well, you know. Wuthering Heights, man, it's a it's a classic. Well, it was Wuthering Heights, yeah, and I'm sure that one was on there as well. So, you know, it's all come back round again. <laughs> before your time. <laughs> well, this is uh, so okay. All right, transitioning as best I can. Let's talk about <laughs> F1 a little bit. I know it was. I'm happy you guys became friends at Hogwarts or wherever you went to school. But um, <laughs> you know, Ben, you you were sharing with us a little bit before. Um, a little bit about F1 and when you got into it and, and who you liked and, and enjoyed watching. Could you share that with the listeners? Cause I thought, I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah. So I, I guess like, as I was mentioning before, there's never a time when I suddenly remember getting into formula one. It's been one of those um, things that I sort of always remember watching, but I suppose I first, some of my first memories of that whole sort of PK louder Prost Senna era. That's when I really start remembering really sort of having an interest in it. And I suppose that that sort of came to a head around that era was when first Prost and Senna were in, in the same team at McLaren, right? And I think it was at um, Suzuka where um, Senna, Senna had sort of qualified. Well, Suzuka is one of the, the interesting ones for your podcast, actually, because Suzuka, you qualify. If you come first in pole, you start on the dirty side of the track, right? So it's the wrong, it's one of these circuits where you, being in pole isn't necessarily an advantage. And anyway, Prost got off the head and just stayed in front of him and Senna couldn't get past. And eventually he uh, sent one up the inside and, uh, and they had a, a crash and, a, and they're coming together. Um, and then that sort of rolled over to the next season where Prost, and Prost had then moved on to Ferrari by that point. And it was the second from last race of the season. And Senna was, I think, nine points ahead in the um in the world championship and basically the same thing happened again senna qualified first pros got off to a better start and senna just didn't back out and they basically just drove into him in the first corner and then just got out of his car and he won the world championship because <laughs> Pross could no longer mathematically and that really stands out as one of those <laughs> moments in sport you know and i, I can remember thinking yeah, i think i quite like this uh, this sport has quite got some entertaining factors to it you know Oh, for sure. I think there'll be a lot of new fans who got onto the drive to survive thing who may have seen last year's Abu Dhabi race for the first time. And I'm sure they're probably walking away thinking, oh, you remember that crazy way to win the championship? And, you know, years from now, they'll still remember that. So, yeah, those those moments are great. And by the way, note note for Rob, we should definitely sponsor a, a track where they start the grid, the pole position on the dirty side of the track. We should Sponsor. I got at least ten dollars. Mm. I got ten dollars. Can I slap a sticker 
a sticker on the wall is the best we'll be able to do. There are there are there are a few others on there. They don't spring to mind, but they do every every now and again. You'll hear one of the commentators say, "Of course, you know, maybe you want to qualify in second in this in this track." And uh, yeah, it's a bit odd. I always think that um, that they don't just stagger the stagger the, um, the the grid the other way around. So, so I've got it. I've got it. Okay, we can't afford to sponsor it, but we find out what the next one is. We do our homework now that Ben set us the challenge. And next, when that whatever that next race is, then we have to do some artwork for the pre uh, during the week that we can drop on uh, social for um, pole position. Brought to you by the dirty side of the track. Not sponsored. We're not going to put any money into it. Yeah, but... yeah. Or and also we can maybe get pit lane Paul a sticker. And he can just slap it on one of the walls on the pit straight, even if it's for a second. And then we can take a, have him take a picture of that. I don't know. But uh, I love it. I love it. So um, I guess I have a question for you. Since you're an F1 fan, um, you know, and you've, you have these great memories of watching amazing races, do you feel your nerves are steeled for 100 seconds of DRS? Do you feel ready for this chaos that's about to come your way there's certainly a sense of heightened anticipation in the air <laughs> on this side of the atlantic yeah you know i mean i've heard that i've heard this the uh the segment so i sort of know what to expect but still i wonder whether you're going to throw any uh any curveballs in there for me uh it, you know it's like 807 degrees for you today so maybe we'll kind of go down the path we've done in the past or maybe not i don't know see if you're on your toes in that heat um, so I, I will be administering the questions for you, Ben, because, uh, to have Rob do it would be unfair. You guys go back so far. It would be too easy. So are you ready, Ben? I'm ready. I'm ready as well. Rob, are you ready to time us? I have the timer ready and loaded. So I will count you guys in and away we will go in three, two, one, go. Who's your favorite F1 driver today? Uh, Norris. Who do you think is the best F1 driver today? Um, do you know what I'd say? I'm going to say Norris or Russell, one of the two. Oh, oh. of the British drivers, I see. Okay. Um, GIF or JIF, how do you pronounce it? I'd say GIF, but I know I'm probably wrong. No, you're 100% correct. That's that's accurate. What is your favorite meal? Oh, um, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. Yes. <laughs> With a, you know. All right, that's that. But what's my favorite meal? Um, I'd say... Macaroni cheese. That is not correct, but it's a good guess. Um, what's the best racing movie of all time? Um, what's, is it Rush, the one with um, Thor in it? Yes, yeah, it is. That is correct. Yeah, the Ron Howard <laughs> Rush. That is a great that is a great movie. What's your favorite F1 track? Uh, Spa. Yeah, agreed. A million percent. Cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. And do you have a favorite musician or musical group? Not really, no. <laughs> All right, then. Well, that's a good answer, I guess. A favorite non-motorsport sport? Um, I'd say rugby. Okay. Do you sleep in or do you get up early? I have to get up early because I have a bad back, so when I wake up, I have to get out of bed. <laughs> do, you, do you have any lucky superstitions? Um, no. And what's the best thing for you to do on a rainy day? Um, stay in, I would say. It rains a lot in the UK, so you get quite used to it, yeah. <laughs> DRS on race cars today. Good thing or bad thing? Uh, good. And, and you're done. Oh. oh, what? I had like what? 10 more lined up to do that. Well, I wanted you might to have done, but um, you, ca you can't ask them all. You just get the 100 seconds, Brian. That's kind of how the feature works. Uh, 
So, GIF, you're, you're correct. As you may have heard, that's the one that I'm really kind of passionate about. And everyone tells me I'm wrong. And apparently you've felt the same. You've, you're an oppressed GIFer, and I understand that. And we should stand up and be proud because the first word is graphics in that acronym. So, Yeah, well, people keep telling me that the person who came up with it says it's pronounced differently. And I just think, well, they're probably wrong then. <laughs> Or someone else. someone got to the woman who invented it and they told her to say it was Jif or Guy or whoever. They said, say it's Jif or some unknown. Maybe even the peanut butter company got to them. Who knows? I mean, it could be one of those, like one of the world's practical jokes, couldn't it? You know, yeah. The other one I want to pick up on is because we, we were discussing this was um, so favorite track is Spa and one that is under the potential hammer of not appearing next year. So. Yeah, I mean, I, you, know, you never know how much of this is is a bit of sort of theatre, do you, really, with these? Because we heard that with Monaco, didn't we? And then they right. sign a really long contract. But for me, I mean, it, the, it's Eau Rouge makes Spa, I think. Um, that corner has got a lot of sort of theatre to it. If they ever re-engineered it, I think the track would be a lot more boring. But I don't know whether um, uh, any of you play any of the sort of F1 sim games. But that's a brilliant track to 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 do on that. I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly good at the games myself, but you know, it's got a real nice sort of flow to it. And um, in the interview you had with um, Villeneuve last week, he was sort of talking about it being akin to sort of downhill, a, a bit like downhill skiing. Yeah, that that Suzuka, I think, and you can sort of feel it if you're if you're on those things. You don't get that sort of full sensation, but it's got a lot of changes in the sort of. Um, height as well which i don't think you always appreciate when you see it on tv um and i think yeah just for me it's quite an interesting so i love all of it even the things that people don't like like someone once told me they don't like the bus stop chicane i love the bus stop chicane as the kind of the last thing before you come onto the straight and qualifying you watch people come out of there and like are they going to get on the throttle fast enough what will their time be you can see the start finish line i mean the whole track is brilliant and so if that goes away i will need uh copious amounts of alcohol uh, well, it's got two it. straights as well, hasn't it? Because it's got the straight that comes straight out of Eau Rouge. And there's a lot of overtakes there because it all depends yeah. on the yeah. sort of line they've taken through and the exit speed. So you can see cars really sort of like coming up. And then there's a chicane at the end of that that straight as well. So I just think it's got a lot a lot going for it. Really. Right, yeah, yeah, I mean, and what also had a lot going for it was your shout out to our Villeneuve interview for last week. So nice little plug there. <laughs> so uh, thanks for that. Well, yeah. do, do you know what? I thought that was one of the best Villeneuve interviews I've heard this year. <laughs> that's going to become the soundbite for this week's episode <laughs> oh, hey but man. also just to pick you up on one other thing so we learned the sad news uh, as we were just catching up with you before we started recording that your band is no longer a thing um, <laughs> but you are you are a musician because what I was going to ask you I was going to I was mentioning to Brian that we've got uh, my brother did the uh, the intro music uh, my neighbour did the DRS music but what we don't have is a Sapstat jingle um, so I was going to kind of throw the challenge down to any musicians listening, but really starting with you, but maybe it's an excuse to get the band back together is I think we need uh, a Sapstat jingle for Brian. Well, no, I'm working, we can give it a go. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll speak to the band and I'll say, look, guys, you know, there's, there's another opportunity. For, <laughs> a uh, big money opportunity as well. Yeah. <laughs> some of the glory days. That's, a, that's a great that's a great call out i actually so yes ben in addition to ben and and the rest of the bens uh, whatever the name of the band is what's the name of your band hey bye okay well so in addition to that 
anyone else who would want to give it a shot, feel free to email us what you have. Uh, dirty side of the track at gmail.com. And as we always do, if you want to take the 100 seconds of DRS challenge and ace it as Ben just did, feel free to reach out to us either at the Gmail I just mentioned or uh, on Twitter at F1 Dirty Side. And Ben, man, it's been amazing. And it's great to meet you. And you know, there's an expression that you can be judged by the company you keep. And everyone I've met of Rob's friends are amazing. So the expression is clearly wrong because then there's Rob. But uh, I would just say thank you, Ben, for doing this. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ben. It was great catching up. And actually, and, and like I say, for those listening, they're not going to appreciate this, but that, that beard is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was awesome, Ben. Thanks so much again. Now let's look quickly at the next race in Hungary uh, in a week's time. So the first GP in Hungary at this track was 1986. Um, you'll do 70 laps because it's only a 4.38 kilometer circuit. Fastest lap of all time is 1 minute 16 seconds, 0.627 from Lewis in 2020. It does not have a lot of straights. So it has a, a pit straight, which they elongated in 2003. But bef even before that, it's a lot of people would compare it to a karting circuit. So what's interesting, so for people preparing their teams for next weekend, just, you know, with all of the corners that are strung together, uh, a lot of teams bring really high downforce packages. So... It's not that fast in the straight line thing, which may disadvantage Red Bull a tiny bit, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, I'm, I'm simmering here, Brian, because oh, series of corners, series of corners, which would absolutely play into Ferrari's hands. And I'm just sitting here wondering how they're going to completely Ferrari it up next <laughs> week, because it, it, it really should be a gimme for, for not a gimme, but... Even today, as we saw, the two sectors that had got the slower corners, Ferrari completely dominate and, and Red Bull come into their own with the with the straight line speed. And this will not be about straight line speed next week, but oh, I'm just going to spend a week wondering about how they're going to screw it up again. But um, Well, a couple last notes on, on the on the Hungaro ring and outside Budapest is that there's one DRS detection point, but two zones. However... For all of our benefit, the pitch straight is the best one as there's a short burst of DRS again after turn one, which doesn't do a lot. And I have some stats, Rob. Can I hit some stats on, on yeah, the Hungaro ring? Sap Stats Hungry Preview Edition. All right. In 2003, as I said, they extended the pitch straight. The winner that year in the newly modified track, Fernando Alonso, uh, which is sort of amazing. Uh, last year, if you remember right, Esteban won. Um, it was his first win ever, still his only win in F1, after Valtteri kind of got uh, went bowling in the wet, hit Lando, and then all heck broke loose. Do you know who had the fastest lap last year, Rob? Uh, no, because I've scrolled past the notes, and I'm not going to scroll back up again now. So Pierre Gasly! So the most wins ever in Budapest, eight for Lewis. Eight, that's a ton. The next most ever is Michael Schumacher at four. Um, as I said, though, they only raced at this track since 86. Um, so Michael at four. The other drivers who are currently driving have wins there. Seb two, Fernando one, Daniel one, and Esteban one. And I'll get ahead of the story. Max has zero. And as we already said, this is not a straight line speed favoring course. So it'll be interesting to see what Max can do uh, getting off, as we'd say in America, the off the schneid at, uh, at the Hungaro ring. And from the grid position, which is going to be important because I have two more stats. First place, so pole position, has converted to win 16 times. 
second place six times, third place eight times. So if you cumulatively look at the first three starting grid spots, 84% of the time the winner comes in the first three. Yeah, that's a lot. So you're going to really want to have a good quality. Um, the only there's only been a handful of people finishing uh, first out of starting out of the top three. Fourth position three times, eighth once, which was Esteban, as I already said last year, in that kind of chaotic first lap, first turn even, uh, and then 12th and 14th. So for all the hate we gave Paul Ricard, for all of the hate, the average overtakes since 2017 per circuit, Paul Ricard is the second most, only None. behind Sao no Paulo. I, I saw know. this. I, there's not a chance. Uh, and even well, if there is, at F1 all, stats guru, if you're rubbish. wrong. They're all rubbish overtakes then. Well, hold on. Well, I hate to say this. Budapest is fifth. Sorry, sixth. Monaco has the least, which you would expect. Australia has the second least with their 2035 contract. Yeah, but look at... Right, okay. Look at that graph, right, where you've got Montreal is just edging over... If I squint, it's probably 22, 23 overtakes, right? And allegedly... Uh, Paul Rakai is twice as good as Montreal. Well, I'm sorry, but you can shove that up your... You know where, right? Because I would much rather go and watch Montreal on repeat over and over again than watch the French Grand Prix. Well, the good news is we don't have to watch the French Grand Prix anymore. But uh, just to note, there's not a ton of overtakes in the last handful of years at at Budapest. So just be prepared. Um, We'll see what happens. But I think a good quality is going to be important. A good start is going to be important. And a good downforce package is going to be important. So, so I've got one little stat to add into the end of SAP stats. Yeah. Um, so although Lewis is the the driver that's won the most here, I can't say the US phrase because it, it hurts me up my ears to say it. Uh, I'm going to say it. So Lewis is apparently the winning winningest driver. No, I can't say it. Winningest. It's, it's winningest. Yeah. That's not a word. It just isn't a word. Anyway. You take um, winning and you add est to the end. Yeah, winningest. Yeah, it does, that doesn't work. Anyway, despite the fact he's that, uh, Budapest, did you know, because he's, he's um, he hit his 300th Grand Prix today, right? Mm. No driver in the history of F1 has broken the 300 barrier and gone on to win another race ever. So Schumacher, Lauda, Mansell, I think. And there's only there's only like five or six drivers that have made the 300 race uh, barrier. But every single one of them has never, ever gone on to win anything beyond their yeah. 300th race. That is a fantastic stat. I did see that. And I really hope at some point Lewis breaks it. Um, and to bring maybe a little bit of... Uh, a nice return to the beginning as we close the episode for Centurion Lewis. I hope that happens. And uh, go out and follow him on Twitter. Cheer him on in his battle. Um, I I enjoyed the race. The chaos. It made me angry. But um, it was at least something to watch. I don't enjoy the track. I don't want to go back. If you have not read our blog, uh, please do. Because we do a little bit of analysis on what might be falling off the calendar next year. And I'm pretty sure Paul Ricard's up there. But I am still nervous about Spa. And you'll see why if you check our blog, www.dirtysideofthetrack.com. Click on blog. So, Rob, bring us home, man. Yeah, I would just, um, as per the uh, DRS section, one final call out for all of the budding musicians out there. You've heard Brian play a couple of Sap Stats jingles today, which is just the F1 theme music, and he deserves better. The stats this guy comes up with are stellar. These are the stats that come up with a guy that is 725th in the universe in fantasy. 707. 707, whatever it is. I'm building you up here. Don't interrupt. Um, He deserves better. He deserves a jingle. Um, So as you heard, Ben is going to try and get the band back together to come up with a Sapstat jingle. But if anyone out there can come up with something, we will happily cycle them through each week um, and then see if anyone's got a favorite. But if you are a musician, and even if you're not, because that might be funnier, 
I mean, I could get my kids to play a recorder. I mean, we don't want that, though, do we? Anything. No, I'm, I, I, ooh, if you can play the triangle. Um, that's, anyway, we're digressing now. So we're back to back. We will be back next week for a Budapest review and hopefully the first airing of the very first listener-provided Sapstats jingle. So um, keep it on the dirty side and we'll uh, catch you next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.